Yeah, so this brings us to the, the last Sunday of our Be Healthy series. This is January and February. We talked about being healthy uh, soul and spirit. That's what that uh, uh, picture represents. Be healthy in your body. And I, I dealt with the issue of habits and addictions that we have. And uh, Shalin did a great uh, Wednesday night teaching this past Wednesday on uh, your weight and your diet and your spirituality. And then uh, be healthy in our finances. And I taught on the, the seven principles of uh, healthy finances out of Proverbs two weeks ago. And then Pablo also did a Wednesday night on that. And then be healthy in relationships. Uh, Luke and Jen talked about children and they also talked about marriage. My wife and I are going to be doing marriage today. The seven pillars out of Proverbs of a healthy marriage. That's what we want to talk about. The seven pillars out of healthy marriage. I was telling my husband, I said, I've really, really enjoyed this whole two month series on being healthy, body, soul, and spirit. It's been so good. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's just been so good. And Obviously, Pastor Luke and Jen were ministering um, last Sunday on relationships and marriage in your family, and so we're the old farts. We're the old farts. We're going to talk about marriage today. Did you say farts? <laughs> I did. I said farts. Wow. church. Okay. <laughs> I guess we're, we're a new kind of church, aren't we? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's so unlike you to say stuff like that. Uh, what can you do? The spirit of Hannah came upon me. The spirit My of daughter. Hannah. Yep. <laughs> We are the old ones, aren't we? We are. I was thinking about that. We're the old ones. We got crow's feet. I'm doing all I can to keep my eyes from falling from here to here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he complains when he goes to get his hair cut because he says, he went to get his hair cut yesterday. He says, I'm so sorry. My hair is just getting thinner and thinner. I know. Like, honey, that's okay. I still love you. <laughs> well, the truth is, since we've been married, for how many years have you said that if I lose my hair, you won't love me? I did not say that. I said, no, I'm she did say for that. your hair. Because if I lose it, you won't love me anymore. So I always feel like I have to apologize after I come home from the uh, the barber shop. Uh-huh. And so I go to the barber about twice a year because my hair doesn't grow and uh, have to apologize. He's hilarious. To he goes to this barber. You started not paying how much? Was it? Twelve dollars to get a haircut. I'm like twelve dollars. I mean, what kind of a haircut? Uh, they is, raised it up to nineteen dollars. I know he was he was in mourning yesterday. He comes home. I goes. He goes. I, they raised it two dollars. I said, Well, how much are you paying? Nineteen dollars. I mean, nineteen dollars. That's nothing. How much do you pay for this? I mean, I can never retire because I have to keep this color going. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, how do you stormproof your marriage? You know, we are living in very perilous times, aren't we? And challenges both uh, in our culture, in our nation, around the world, of course. The pandemic and uh, all that's happening, it just can stress out your marriage. And uh, so Proverbs 9 verse 1 says, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. And so we have our seven pillars up here. And pillars, you know, give support and strength to uh, to a house, and so we want to be able to build these seven pillars of a healthy marriage. Yeah, there are so many things that we're all feeling it. I mean, we've never lived in a in a in a in a lifetime like this. There's so many pressures, so many fears, there's so much instability. Nothing's stable anymore, and we want to just dive into these seven pillars because this will encourage you to know. You know what? You can build something. You can build something. You can build something based on the word, based on the Lord. These things will give you a marriage and a life that can say, I'm not just out there floating. I'm not out of control. God's word says I can do this. If I do this, this is, this is the fruit that will come, come from that. And I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me. Mm-hmm. Very encouraging. Absolutely. Yeah. It tells us in Proverbs 14, verse 1, ladies, 
The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. So a wise woman builds, constructs the seven pillars. Obviously, a wise husband does as well. And so what are the seven pillars of a healthy marriage? Well, we have it all right here. We want to start, first of all, with the wise choice. Obviously, the Bible tells us in Proverbs that a prudent wife is from the Lord. A prudent or a wise woman is from the Lord. So you need to make sure that before you ever get married, that the one that you are going to marry is from the Lord. The, the right choice. So many times we, we make wrong choices. Now, the Lord was good to me. You know, I, I met Rhonda when I was 18. We got married when I was 20 and uh, newly saved. She was newly saved. And honestly, I did not know uh, the qualities of a, of a great wife and mother. You know, I, I saw what I liked, and I liked what I saw, and plus she she loved the Lord, and that's good enough for me. You know, there we go. But through the years, I, I've seen that she's God's perfect gift for me. She's that prudent wife that was from the Lord for me. And uh, so making that wise choice, and let me tell you this, maybe you got saved after marriage, and you'll be thinking, you know what, uh, my husband and I, or my wife and I, you know, we weren't the wise choice. We were the terrible choice. Uh, well, what is my advice to you? Become the right choice. And you can do that by the grace of God. Yes, you can. And so, I mean, you know, if, if he referenced if you're already married and your spouse is not saved, well, you know, begin to just pray for your spouse and that God will save them. But we've we really believe this, that obviously you need to be equally yoked in a marriage relationship. A believer needs to marry a, another believer. The scriptures teach that, not to be unequally yoked. But we are also totally convinced of this. We've just seen the results of this, whether it's it's they they have applied this in their life and it's produced good fruit over the long, the long haul. Or if they haven't applied it, there's bad fruit that comes out of it over the long haul. Is this... Be equally yoked with someone who has the same passion for the Lord that you do. You know, God cares about passion. The book of Revelation, the Lord says, you know, be either hot or cold. And then he also references, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of your mouth. But God is interested in three temperatures, hot, cold, and lukewarm. And he wants a hot, on fire, passionate believer. And so you need to look for someone, not who, not just that they've been born again, but their passion for the Lord equals your passion. You know, when we were attracted to one another, I have to say that even though we were so young in the Lord, one of the things that really drew me to him and he, he was drawn to me is that we were both absolutely 100% committed and devoted to the Lordship of Christ, not just Jesus as our savior, but as our Lord. Yes. And we built our marriage on his lordship. We built our marriage on that. So when we would and, make and decisions. Where did, where did we date? We dated by going church. to church together. We dated in church. church. I'll see you at the prayer meeting. Yeah. I'll see you Wednesday night. That was our date. I know. I was so romantic. You were amazing. Yes, I was. Amazing. <laughs> yes. I had a full head of hair back then too. Yes, you did. And when it got long, it got nice and curly and wavy. I loved it. But... You know, we built our life on the Lordship of Christ, and, and you will go through, you know, chapters in your life, tests and trials in your life, and if you haven't built on the Lordship of Christ, you, what you'll fall back on is something else. Well, you know, it's not convenient to respond to the Lord in this time, or, you know, you're always uh, rechecking your finances. I'm not sure it's convenient right now to tithe. I can remember when we were in Ohio going through our first seven years of real test and trial, and our finances were really tried, and I remember... 
one Saturday morning when you were getting ready to write the checkout for our tithe, there was like basically nothing left except enough for a tithe and we had nothing left over for groceries or anything and he had the checkbook out and he looked at me and he says Rhonda we have to do this we have to we have to believe that the word is true and Jesus is the Lord of our life and I looked at him I said I know we do I know we do and he wrote that check and we didn't know where our you know our next meal was coming from but God was God took care of us, but you have got to build your life on the Lordship of Christ. We're telling you some things that you can build your life upon and that God then will be there and demonstrate who he is. Amen. So pillar number two, we have it right here, loving faithfulness, loving faithfulness or marital fidelity or sexual purity, avoiding adultery and the wandering eyes. It says in the New International Version in Proverbs 3, verse 3, all, all the points come out of Proverbs here, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Now, this is what it says in Proverbs 5. It's talking about being faithful to your spouse, especially in the, in the sexual area. It says, drink water from your own cistern. You're my cistern, mm-hmm. not my sister, yeah. my cistern. I knew that was coming. And running water from your own well. Uh-huh. You're the well that I draw from. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. So we're to be exclusive, right? Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your, of your youth. So drink water from your own well. So when you get married, the Bible says in Hebrews that the marriage bed is undefiled. The marriage bed is undefiled. That's the only bed that is undefiled sexually is the marriage bed. All other beds are defiled. You know, sex outside of marriage is considered fornication or adultery or homosexuality. But sex in marriage is undefiled. It's considered pure in the sight of God. And the Bible says, you know, be satisfied. Drink water from your spouse. Uh, don't, don't take what you have and disperse it abroad. Let, let her satisfy you. Let him satisfy you. We live in a culture where faithfulness is, is not valued anymore. And, you know, these uh, are, are there's such a sexual promiscuity. Promisc- what's the word? Promiscuity. Promiscuity. And it's just, it's so rampant and it's so casual. I, I heard a shocking statistic. They said 70% of adulteries begin now on Facebook. This is disgusting to me. Why? How is that possible? You're not even in the same room with this person, but what you're doing is you are connecting with the person of the opposite sex. It's a connection. Whether it's you know something you have in common with them, you're sharing a burden, you're, you're sharing a hurt, and then you start getting into the emotional realm of that conversation. And I was thinking about this. You remember the story of Samson, Right? Okay, you read about his life, and it says that first you read that he went down to be with a harlot, and he spent the night with a harlot. That was all purely sexual. Then he gets into another relationship with Delilah, which is probably very sensual and sexual. But what gets him, what brings him down is the leaders were using Delilah, and what did they tell her to do with him? They said, go in and talk to him. Talking conversation, share, get into his heart, get him to be comfortable with sharing with you his, his secrets of his heart. What worries him? What burdens him? 
And that is where you have to be on guard. You know, the word says this. This is um, Proverbs chapter um, 5, verse 18. It says, rejoice with the wife of your youth. That word rejoice means uh, joy, delight, and pleasure. You, as a married person, you should never take more joy, delight, and pleasure enjoying connecting with someone, whether it's conversationally or whatever, more so than your spouse. I, I, I'm a believer in that. I'm a believer in that. And I'm a married woman, and we're in ministry, and you, know, you have opportunity to connect with people, male and female, and I get this. As a female, I do not want another man feeling like he has this emotional, conversational, intimate tie with me. I will not build that with another man. Because this man, I have reserved my heart for this man. But it's real, isn't it? Can I get an amen? amen. All right. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Listen to what it says about uh, the, the dangers of marital infidelity or adultery. It says, stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. If you do, you will lose your honor and will lose to merciless people all you have achieved. Strangers will consume your wealth. Someone else will enjoy the fruit of all your labor. In the end, you will groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. And so right there, we need to understand that the wages of sin is death. And that you sow to the flesh, you reap destruction. You lose your honor, your wealth, and your health by engaging in sinful, wicked behavior. So pillar number two is loving faithfulness, marital fidelity, staying pure emotionally, staying pure sexually in that marriage relationship. Now, the the next one here, I I got my shovel, you grab your shovel, is the principle or the pillar of what we call cultivation, right? Hard work or tending to the garden. You know, you got to work your marriage. You got to prioritize your marriage. You got to put time and energy into your marriage. Many times through the years, I've, I've counseled couples and, uh, they're going through a challenging time and, uh, it becomes apparent in talking to them that they're, they're busy. Uh, they're, they're working hard, uh, they're raising family, uh, and, and all that busyness and distractions and things of that nature, uh, they stop working on their marriage. They stop connecting, they stop dating, they stop talking, they stop having fun together. And uh, I tell you what, you know, you got to look at it like a garden. And if you don't cultivate your garden, it's just simply going to get hard and grow weeds. You know, and so many people we see nowadays, they pour so much of their time, energy, passion, money into their, you know, their activities, into their kids, into their job. And then when they come home, there's hardly nothing left for, for each other, for their spouse. They, they, they're not functioning with, a, with the balance in their life. You got you to gotta save something for each other. And not only save something for each other, but realize that you've got to you've got to protect and defend your marriage relationship. I mean, how many how many couples when their kids grow up and get married and leave the house, these couples have nothing in common. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm sorry. When we were uh, doing our first two building programs, we did the work ourselves. And uh, remember, on our very first one, we had a, 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 a mason that was laying the brick, and I'd come out and I'd be his helper, and uh, he'd always say, "Go grab the idiot stick for me." And the idiot stick was the shovel. You know, the idiot stick was the shovel. But Proverbs calls a shovel, really, honestly, the wise stick. 
because it's, it's a lot of hard work. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 24. I went by the fields of a lazy man, somebody that's not doing the work. Remember, in all work there is profit. You can get lazy with each other. Absolutely. Just take, you know, like cruise control. I love cruise control uh-huh. in my car. And, you know, I'll, I'll do cruise control even in a parking lot. I love it that much. <laughs> anyway, just put it on cruise uh-huh. control, set it right around the speed limit, keeps me from getting tickets, and I don't have to watch the speedometer. And I, it just makes it easy. But you're never supposed to be on cruise control in your relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, this is all overgrown with thorns. So if you don't cultivate, yeah. you're going to get hurt with thorns, pain, right? Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. And so if you're lazy, you don't put in the work, you don't prioritize. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, the wall is going to be broken down. And when the walls get broken down, what comes in? The enemy. Mm-hmm. The enemy. So you'll get pain in your relationship because the thorns and the enemy's going to come in. You know, I was thinking about those thorns. You know, say like, you know, he's the plant and, and I'm got and I'm the gardener. And what is a thorn in your in your marriage relationship? Sometimes if you don't watch it, you'll get you'll get uh, impatient with one another, you know? Come on now. We have moments like that. We get impatient with one another and you we get prickly I've with I've never them. been impatient with you. We get we get prickly with one another and we, we lash out I've or we get angry. And so you. what you do is as soon as that little something, something, you know, comes out, you know, I'm not going to show you this example to be confrontational, but what you do is, is you work the soil. You work that soil. All right. Now, if, if you had, if you had a, a sinful response right then, if you're working that soil and you're turning that soil over constantly and defending and protecting that soil, you're... The Holy Spirit's going to deal with you if you're the one who got angry and impatient. He's going to say, that's not right. You are being disrespectful. Or you're, you're losing your value for him. And what you do is you've got, to keep that, you've got to keep that ground turned over. And if you don't do that, isn't it ridiculous how hard you have to work to make a flower grow but a weed? Well, just it, it's three times more aggressive than you are as a gardener. Mm-hmm. Weeds are just stronger. They're more aggressive. And I hate mulch. I don't know why at my house. I'm not a mulch person. I don't want to be spending all this money on this mulch that I'm always just throwing away anyway. So I love just pure black dirt in my landscaping. And about once a week in the summer, I go out there with my shovel and I just turn it all over. And that good old black dirt looks so pretty from the street. I go out in the middle of my street and look at my yard. And but that what you're doing, and but it's amazing to me. I go out there every week, and I'm turning up weeds, mm-hmm. keeping that. Keep what you're doing is is you're keeping the soil soft. Mm-hmm. So if a weed does come up, it's easier to pull out. Yes. But if you neglect it, then you're going to get into this wall. Now there's a wall that has now fallen over and broken down, and that's even harder and more work to repair. You know, it is. It is. You know, yeah. uh, they they talk about men. You know, to win that to win that woman to marry you. You know, we put in all this work to win her. And then once we win her, you know, we just uh, relax and, uh, you know, the victory has been accomplished. uh, The goal has been achieved and I can just relax with it. But you can't relax with it. It's like in your own relationship with the Lord. You got to sow to the spirit. You got to sow into your marriage. And what is a weed? A weed is an unwanted plant. Is there things in your marriage that you would say, man, I don't want that. That's a weed and you got to deal with it. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 13, 4. 
A sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. And so, listen to this. If you cultivate your marriage, your desires will be fulfilled. What do you want in your marriage? Well, if you work it, prioritize it. Do the hard work, work dig around, work it. get rid of them weeds. Work it. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> there you go. Uh-huh. Uh, pillar number, what are we, four? I love this one, life-giving words. I say this all the time. Your marriage is only as good as the words you speak to one another because yeah. words can... Death and life are in the power of the tongue, Proverbs mm-hmm, says. Mm-hmm, Death and life. Mm-hmm. Criticisms, right, can just tear you down. But affirmations, I love yous, I'm sorry, I forgive you, you're the best. You know, those, those build up, those just bring life, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to make an interesting point here, especially in Western uh, civilization, especially in uh, American culture, we have... We don't understand the concept of covenant. What most often, more often than not, we function out of a consumer mentality. And God is a God of covenant. He's not a God of consumerism. And I'm going to explain this just a moment here. Consumerism is you give to me and I'll give to you. We do it all the time in our life. We go to places, we connect with people, and we say, what do you have to offer me, and what what then am I willing to give to you because of what you're giving to me? That's consumerism. Covenant is, in a marriage relationship, think about this. You make vows. I stand before these witnesses and God, and I promise you that I will never leave you. That is a covenant statement. And out of that covenant statement, then you are now in a relationship where you can build a life of stability and security. And that's why it's important to guard the words of your mouth with one another. Because you are telling your spouse when you marry them, I covenant myself with you. And I covenant with you that I will not abandon you, I will not harm you, I will protect you, you can count on me. But when you violate your covenant and you start speaking harmful words, you're breaking your vow. See, we, th- we forget that God is in this relationship. We have, but people anymore, the American culture, Western civilization, it's all about consumerism. What you do for me and what I can do for you. But if, if you get beyond that and you understand it's covenant, then you realize I'm building a life with you based on promise. And this is so true. When we get married, we only know each other to the limit where we know each other at that moment. And our marriage life is a journey. It is a journey. And we make that journey with one another until death do we part. Now, what do we build that journey on? Consumerism? We build it on covenant. And, oh, isn't that amazing? So when you speak words of life to one another, such, a, such as, I value you. I, 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 I appreciate you. That's coming out of covenant. That means more to me than someone who just has a consumerism mentality in their relationship with me. Those words are so shallow. But when you're, out of, when you're operating out of covenant and you understand that, Those words, as the years go on, get richer and they are more 
meaningful. Oh, they are. They are. And uh, so uh, speaking of life-giving words and, uh, you know, my parents, uh, uh, you know, no no family is void of dysfunction. Every family is dysfunctional because of sin or whatever. But one of the things I, as I reflect back to my my parents and the family and their interaction with each other is, is this. I remember one time my mom told me that my dad was stubborn. Oh, your father is so stubborn. And I remember one time my mom was going through menopause and, and uh, she was in the house and uh, she is in a very dark place. And uh, I was outside uh, just shooting baskets in the driveway and my dad came out and I remember he came out and he said, your mother's in there feeling sorry for herself. Did you know those are the only two times I can think of where my parents spoke in a negative way about each other in my presence. That's amazing, isn't it? Life-giving words. My dad always called my mom uh, his, his uh, angel of mercy because she was a nurse. She'd wear white and his angel of mercy. And uh, he always spoke with great respect about her to me. And uh, that's just wonderful. But that's life-giving words, right? And it sure beats death. Uh, a verse here says this. Uh, a fool's lips enter into contention, right? And so by speaking harsh things, you'll come into contention. And his mouth calls for blows. A fool's mouth is his destruction. And his lips are the snare of his soul. But a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. And so if you're speaking well, I tell you what, it's going to be good fruit. Yes. And, you know, it, 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 you know in, in our journey with marriage, we, we, we go through things. We go through ups and downs. We work things out. And then again, you know, you've gone through tests and trials and challenges, and you go through things, and then you realize, when you say to me that you love me or you value me or I appreciate you, you can believe those words. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's powerful. So, pillar number five, what do we have here, pillar number five? It's healthy conflict. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's, a, that's an important, wasn't it? Isn't it? Because the Bible says, in many things we offend all, and we know because of sin, and we're imperfect, and there is dysfunction. Because of that, everybody's going to face conflict. The best of marriages will face conflict. I remember years ago, thank you very much, years ago, uh, I had a man in my church, he said, my wife and I have never had a crossword. We've never gotten angry with each other. And I, you know what I thought to myself? Liar. <laughs> Liar. And uh, obviously they've had had conflict, right? I mean, it just, it just happens. In many things, we offend all. Yes. And, you know, it, we're just going to demonstrate something here in a moment. But Liar. This, you know, we have... I mean, we're all flesh and blood. We're all human. We all get this. I mean, we will react at times out of, you know, earthly wisdom that creates strife. But learning to be able to, um, you know, walk with each other, grow up together. But, you know, you've got, you, we all have our memories of where we didn't, you know, respond well to each other. Yes. When we, when we were just sort of, you know, maybe we're going through something different and new and unexpected. So we have these initial reactions. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And so, you know, you're getting at your speaking words to each other and uh, you're not responding correctly. Uh, like I said, the Bible says this, uh, uh, faithful are the wounds. 
wounds of the friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. The Bible says a soft word turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Boom, just like that. Yes, yes. It can just stir it up. Uh-huh. Next thing you know, you said the yeah. wrong thing, and oh. then the explosion happens, and then oh. words are going back and forth. Oh, you know, this That's why I said to myself, liar. Can you remember when you're first married, you're getting upset? You might get in, in arguments over the silliest things. So silly. So, so, I mean, you look back, you're like, I'm so embarrassed. I'm, I, you know, we were so immature and I'm so embarrassed. But what that is, is you're so, uh, you're so wired to get, uh, what you want. And if you don't get what you want and this person's not, is not processing you or you're not processing them pr- correctly with wisdom and understanding, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get these eruptive uh, responses. Um, I can remember one time I, I needed to talk to my husband about something. This was years and years ago. And um, I wasn't happy about it. I was so sad. I was so troubled. I'd been praying and praying and praying. And after months of praying to the Lord, the Lord said, okay, you've been whining and complain, complaining and talking to me about this long enough. Go in and talk to your husband. Mm. Hmm. And I said, Lord, what, what, a, what a joy. What I a said, joy, Lord, right? this was a really, really, really sticky, touchy thing. And so I said, Lord, if I go in there, he's going to get mad at me. And honestly, it was like the Lord was just my father. He was fathering me at that moment. Get up. Cause he, my husband was in, was in his study, studying and, and reading the word. We were all being spiritual. Reading the word and praying. Oh, we were being spiritual uh, because I'm a godly man. Oh, hallelujah. I was in my devotional room and he was in his and the Lord started, he took that shovel and he started cultivating around me his little his little garden. And he said, get up and go in there and talk to your husband about this. I go in there and all I do is bring up the subject. And this was him. Whoa. Woo! And I just, I said, uh, I'm sorry. I, I, we don't, I, I'm done. I don't need to talk to you about this. You know, because I tend to be a, um, I, I'd rather have uh, peace even if I'm not happy. Isn't that sad? And so, um, a couple days went by, the Holy Spirit started to look Actually, me. that's one of the qualities I love about you. <laughs> but you know, God wants righteousness, righteousness, peace, and joy. He doesn't want us to forsake righteousness for the sake of peace. And so, I'm in my devotional room a couple mornings later, and the Lord says, go back in there and talk to your husband about it again. I said, Lord... He's going, I don't like it when he's mad at me. And I, he says, get up and go in there and talk to him again. I said, all right, Lord. And I went in there and I knocked on his door and I said, I want to talk to you about this again. And what ended up happening was he went from a reaction, a reactive uh, uh, response to the Holy Spirit had been dealing with him. And he said, come on in, sit down, let's talk. The Lord's been dealing with me. And wow, you know, you know, so those initial eruptive responses that we have toward one another, that's because we haven't yet entered into the realm of Holy Spirit, what are you saying? What do you want me to do? Being willing to just yield and cooperate with God's wisdom. Yes. So healthy conflict, obviously there's resolution, right? And according to Proverbs, healthy conflict requires honesty. Mm -hmm. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And so you have to be able to speak those things right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Healthy conflict requires softness. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So softness or humility, some kindness there. 
And healthy conflict requires listening. Now, this is God talking in Proverbs. And he's talking to us. He says, because I have called and you refused. And so there's times when we're not listening to God. But there's also times we don't listen to our spouse. Because I have called and you refused. I've stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Because you disdained all my counsel would have none of my rebuke. I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. And so you have to listen. You need soft answers. You need to be honest. And that, that's very important. I remember uh, being upset with you about that. Yeah, it's yeah. one of the few times I've ever been upset. <laughs> Which leads us... You must have more fingers on, on your hand than I have. <laughs> <laughs> Which leads us uh-huh. to, this could be under healthy well, I, conflict, can, is forgiveness. Do we have time? Can I just add to this point? Okay. Okay. So as long as you make me look good. Think about this. If, if you're functioning out of like, um, again, if you're functioning out of um, covenant understanding in your, in, your, in your relationship with your spouse, this will give you grace and it will help you to understand, okay, you can talk to me. Let's, let's be honest with each other. Let's listen. Let's be open. If you're operating out of consumer mentality, you're going to be saying, uh-uh, I don't want to hear this because you're not making me happy by what you're saying. But if you're operating out of covenant relationship, covenant mentality, what it does for you is it actually creates, obviously, an atmosphere of stability and security in the conversation. You're not going to get up and walk out because you're, you're not that kind of person. You're a covenant person, not a consumer. So you've got this atmosphere and this foundation of stability and security, and then what happens is it sets you free to be able to be honest and open. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And to be vulnerable. See, because if you're a consumer, you're not going to be vulnerable. But if you understand covenant, it gives you the ability and the grace to be vulnerable. Yeah, You're not leaving me. Yeah. I'm not leaving you. That's Thank the idea of covenant, God. right? I know. So I can't imagine being in a marriage where you're always worried your spouse is going to walk out on you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The heart of her husband safely trusts Trust in, her. in her. Proverbs 31. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So that brings us to the next one. Forgiveness, which is part of the healthy conflict, right? Forgiveness. Love covers all sins. That's forgiveness. Listen to this. He who covers a transgression seeks love. So when you cover a transgression or forgive, you're seeking love. It it builds love. You want love to be in that relationship. But he who repeats a matter, what does that do? Separates. Friends, what's the repeating of the matter? That's when you bring up a past offense. You're repeating the matter. Well, you, you did this last week, or you always do this, or you'll never change. This is your, and uh, what you thought was resolved, it's really not resolved. You're still harboring it. When, when you start getting in those fights, it all comes up again. You repeat the matter, and the Bible says when you repeat, it separates, separates. And so forgiveness is so important. You know, the three words that are so meaningful, I love you. That's obviously one. Another one is, I forgive you, those three words. They're powerful words. They are powerful words. Absolutely. Yes. Those are, and those, are, those, those are words of healing. Yes. And my wife has forgiven me much. Yeah. And you have forgiven me yes. much. Yes. And the Bible says that we're forgiven much, we love much. Yes. Jesus talked about that. Yes. And so there has to be real, genuine forgiveness. And forgiveness, listen to this, essentially is a promise to remember their sins no more. 
God makes a covenant with us. Mm -hmm. God makes a covenant. Your sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Mm -hmm. And so when you forgive your spouse, you say, I forgive you. What you're saying is, I'm not going to bring this up anymore. It's done. It's forgiven. I'm not going to repeat this matter. It's just done. And I think that's powerful. Well, and the marriage is to be a picture of Christ and his church. Uh That's what Christ does for believers. He doesn't bring our sins back up to us once we've asked for forgiveness. He doesn't throw those back up in our face. You know, like I said, in many things we offend all. And so in a a relationship uh, through the years, offenses happen. And if there's not forgiven, they start building up, building up, building up. And finally, that that becomes like, like a mountain, a mountain of offense. And it's too great. The only resolution we now have is divorce. That's the only resolution. Forgiveness keeps those offenses from building up, from remaining, from, from just getting so large. When you forgive, it removes that. It just removes that. And I tell you what, that's the key, isn't it? Forgiveness. And to speak those words, I forgive you, or I receive that forgiveness. Those are powerful words. Those, as I said, those are words of healing and health and restoration. I mean, don't just, you know, don't just sort of like sweep it under the rug and say, ah, Let's, let's just, you know, no more not going to talk about this anymore. I think sometimes it's very healing to say to one another, I forgive you, mm-hmm. and I receive that. Yes. yes That's how you can just close the chapter on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Our last one is interdependence. And this is out of Proverbs 31, uh, where it talks about the virtuous woman. And in talking about the virtuous woman, you know, she, she's making clothes. She's preparing food. She's out buying a field. She's virtuous. She, she's a godly woman. The children bless her. Her husband blesses her because uh, she's taking care of things and working hard and being diligent. Being godly. And then it says in Proverbs 31 about her husband. Her husband sits in the gates. Sits in the gates. So the godly woman and the godly man, they each have their own relationship with God. They each are overcoming in life. And we want to illustrate this. If you don't mind, why don't we just step right out here, right out front. And so the Bible says that we're not supposed to be independent of each other as a married relationship. We're heirs together the grace of life. So independence is I have my life and she has her life. Here's and, a big uh, one. I have my checking account and he has his checking account. Yeah, he does, just, he, we talk about this. We're like, no, we don't do that. We share and share a life, yeah. right? What is, what is his is mine and what's well, mine yes, is what, his. Yes, All, what's mine is yours and what's yours is Yours. Yes, I know. I got that. That's awesome. Anyway, you're just independent. You know, two people living together under the same roof, but independent. That's no good. And then the next one is dependent. And uh, we'll illustrate this where one needs the other. Okay, here I come. Here you come. And you need the other because I, she needs me to hold Constantly her up. need him to, to hold prop me up. her up. Making excuses for my weaknesses all the yeah, time. She's a, she can't handle daily yeah. life. Yeah. She just needs me. Now I realize there's times when you might go through a, a trial or whatever where you need to be there for the other yeah. and uh, help them bear their burden. But it, the Bible says we are, are each to bear our own burden. And marriage only works if you're interdependent. That's where you both are standing strong in the grace of God. That makes sense? Yeah. But yet you're one flesh. You're interlocked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I know God. I'm overcoming in my life. I can pour out into her. 
She knows God. She's overcoming. She can pour into me. For any relationship to work long term, both need to be dependent upon the Lord and able to support one another and encourage one another. And we're both flourishing together in the Lord. Now, you might go through times where one or the other is going through something that's very challenging and they need extra, just extra support and, and just extra attention. That's We get that. That's life. But you should have the kind of a marriage relationship where you're both healthy. You're both healthy, you know, spiritually, emotionally, mm-hmm. and you're functioning together. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, I'm taking care of him. He's taking care of me. Yes. Yes. And I provide for you. You yeah. provide for me. I pour in. You pour in. Yes. He takes yes. care of me. And there's this little thing. I just, I have this thing in my life that I do. I'm, I'm the keeper of the home, you know, and I she take does it. A, does a great job. And too. I have this thing. I don't know why. I've done, I just have this thing that it, I get so happy. That if he runs out of toothpaste, he says, Rhonda, do I have more toothpaste? Got it. Or Rhonda, I ran out of my heartburn medicine. Do, do you have more? Do I, you need to get me some. Oh, I got that right here. Wait, why do I need heartburn? Because uh-huh. I've pastored you for 36 <laughs> years. That's why. No, but it's just this thing. Or, you know, he took his last vitamin. I, he goes, Rhonda, I just want to let you know I, I, I'm out of vitamins. Oh. I got that for you. I know. She likes to have I, a always, I just take care of them. I mean, I just take joy in knowing I'm doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I do my part. Yes. And my part is you to is to enjoy you. And you do the math. Yes, I do you the math. <laughs> I do the bills and all that yes, stuff. You like that. Yes, you like that. Yes. And so we all have our part to play, we right? We do. We do. And, uh, but a healthy couple were, is yeah. interdependent yeah. on one another. And uh, that that's healthy long-term, isn't it? Yes. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad that I don't have to get up in the morning and uh, make sure my wife is reading the scriptures and, and building her faith and, and believing God and being... Being emotionally capable and able to to deal with life, I, I'm so glad I don't have to always be there to prop her up, and vice versa. Yeah. Amen. Oh, absolutely! That just brings emotional health and security and stability into your home. You're you're building something. Mm-hmm. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, it's real. Yes, praise the Lord. And so here here we have the the seven pillars, and so. Uh, which one do you need to build in your marriage? Or which ones? And I, like, I believe that the more pillars you have in your marriage, you know, yeah, we got all seven. Man, your marriage is strong and healthy. And maybe you have three out of the seven or five out of the seven or one out of the seven. Uh, well, you need, you need God's grace. You need God's grace. We all need God's grace. So let's bow our heads in the presence of the Lord. Can we do that? And if you're sitting by your spouse, just grab his hand or her hand. Can you do that? And as I list off these seven pillars, if you feel like it's something that you need to build, to add to your marriage relationship, to make better, I just want you to squeeze your spouse's hand, all right? So the first one is the wise choice. Now, obviously, if you're married, you need to become the wise choice. Number two, loving faithfulness, marital fidelity. Number three, cultivation, hard work, prioritizing, working that relationship. Number four, life-giving words. Do you need to build that pillar? If you do, squeeze your spouse's hand. Number five, healthy conflict. Maybe when you have conflict, it's not very healthy. It's hurtful. It seems to last and build walls. Healthy conflict. 
If you need to build that, squeeze your spouse's hands. Forgiveness. Squeeze that hand if you need to build that pillar in your marriage. And then interdependence. Squeeze that hand. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we pray for each spouse here today that you would help us to be strong and healthy and wise. Pray for the marriages that they be strong and fruitful to the glory of God. Lord, that we might be able to stormproof our marriage by being wise and and building our seven pillars that it can stand the storms of life. With your heads bowed, perhaps you're here today and you don't know Jesus, but you're here at church and you want to give your heart to Christ. If you'd like me to pray with you to receive Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, just raise your hand. Raise your hand this morning and say, Pastor Tim, pray for me. I want to receive Christ as my personal Savior and Lord. Just raise your hand high and I will pray with you. All right. God bless you, Rhonda. Give them some parting words, all right? May God bring wisdom and may God bring righteousness and peace and joy into your relationships, into your marriage relationships. May you flourish in this new year because of all the wonderful counsel and wisdom we've received over these past couple months. Even though the world seems to be withering, May we flourish in the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's great. Praise the Lord. All right. May the Lord bless you, keep you, cause his face face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you, and give you peace. That's our prayer for you. You're dismissed. Men buy them, man up. Tickets. Get your root beer.